What is going on guys? It's Bryson from My Take Esports alongside my co-host Sterling and boy do we have an episode for you guys today. So stick around, kick your feet up. You're not going to want to miss this episode of My Take Esports starting right now. So today we have a lot to talk about, but before we get into our topics, I want to sort of give you guys some background on Sterling and myself. Um, Sterling, can you give me um, or give the fans, so to speak, some background on your experience in esports and um, and, and why you're here? Uh, sure. So I come from, but like between the two of us, I come from like an entire generation of esports before you, I think. Entirely. Um, well, yeah, when you talk about the age difference. Uh, which actually I think is a good thing because it'll be two completely different perspectives, I think, on how this industry has kind of evolved, um, which will be cool. Yeah. But uh, as far as what I'm doing now, uh, I own part of an esports organization called Infinite. Um, we have an NBA 2K team that's competing in Pro-Am. Uh, we have a professional Halo team. Uh, we have some Smash players in North Carolina. Um, number one ranked player in North Carolina right now, Toast. Um, and uh, C Stream, who is also in the top five in North Carolina, which is awesome. I yeah, no, they're 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 great guys. I'm looking forward to seeing them at a uh, DreamHack coming up. Um, I am the COO of Carolina Gaming, um, which is where our relationship comes from. Um, and as of like three days ago, I am also the Halo manager. Or Simplicity Esports, uh, GG Simplicity guys who own like another, the Live Nation land centers and stuff. Another big time thing from Sterling. <laughs> yeah, no, it's busy. Um, it's 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 I'm keeping myself busy and trying to trying to make my own way, man. Yeah, and that seems to be a huge thing in esports when it comes to you know climbing that ladder is just being busy all the time. Um, I know for me personally, just you know because all my experience is derived explicitly from Carolina Gaming and esports. I, I was an enthusiast before. Um, just like most people who are probably listening to this podcast and I tried streaming uh, a variety of things and I got to the point where I was like, you know, I'm a business student in college. I have some things that I want to try, try out. Um, and I think esports is the perfect place. It's a growing industry. It's a passion of mine. And I think it is for you as well. Um, and that's literally where Carolina gaming, um, came from. So it's, it's very awesome to have somebody who has, you know, completely different experience, you know, helping me out with this project. And um, I think it's something that, you know, looking forward to the future, it's going to benefit both of us and whatever projects we're working on together. Um, so I'm very excited. So let's talk uh, a bit about the organizations that, you know, we're part of at our level and how esports sort of is for the people listening out there. I don't think a lot of people have a huge amount of insight on, on what goes on um, between you and I and, and other owners and uh, COOs and CEOs at our level. Um, so let's, let's, let's try to give them a rundown of what it's like to go out, build a brand, build a team in some events and, and, and the, the benefits of the detriments of that. Sure. Um, I think right now at our level, it's, it's unique because it's a lot more collaborative um, than like the top tier organizations out there. Uh, at least the semi-successful ones at our level are. Yeah. Uh, it, it would be hard to stay relevant um, if you weren't constantly making friends or willing to work with other people around you. Right. Um, and, and I think the ones that come and go quickly, like the Flash and the Pans, who like, maybe have a good Call of Duty team for, for a month or so and then just kind of disappear. I, from the outside looking in and now from kind of doing it, I, that was probably their biggest problem. Um, was a lack of collaboration and and working with their peers. Yeah. Uh, which right now at the grassroots level and, and kind of trying to make your way, I think that's right. I, right now, I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, it's something that, you know, between you and I, we've talked about a lot when it comes to just communication, um, collaboration, and, and, and idea bouncing, really, because you want to be unique and you want to make something that's truly special. And with 
without having somebody else to confirm your ideas as being unique or, or maybe even saying it's a good or bad idea. It's, it's, it's hard because, you know, a lot of organizations have been there and done that. And people can tell when something's genuine and authentic versus when it's, you know, not. Um, and that seems to be the common problem that a lot of organizations at our level run into early on. And it seems to be the reason why they cease to exist at this very moment. Um, not granted, those people are probably still in esports somewhere at some level. Um, but as far as that particular brand goes that they may be a part of, it's just it's so critical and so important early on to make something that's different. And I'm glad you touched on the collaboration thing because without collaboration, you know, Carolina Gaming's branding is different. But, you know, some of the things that I would have probably done by myself would have been something somebody else has already done and failed at. And that would not have been a good thing. Um, so aside from just, just I, I want to touch on the collaboration thing, yeah. just just real quick. Um, I to, to any potential esports organization owners that are listening to this, uh, please, please, please take that away from this. Um, I think your willingness to collaborate with other organizations around you that are at the same point as you are is just it's so important uh, for for your ability to kind of stick around in the scene. Yep. Um, a bad reputation catches on so quick uh, with with people talking, even if you haven't necessarily done anything. Um, Infinite, for example, like we are infinite is what I would, what I call a passion project. It's how I refer to it to a lot of people. Um, we are very invested in halo. Like we have other players and other organizations, but our roots, our focus, um, it's, it's all halo. Uh, and that is because of how much myself and the other owners of that organization absolutely love that game. Um, it's where a lot of us came from. We were invested in it through the very, very poor times, which I mean, technically are still going on um, and are, are really, really hoping for something big with infinite. But I think one of the things that helped us the most to get to even where we are um, and be able to field the caliber of players that we do was our ability to collaborate and kind of work together with Splice and, and allowing Shotzi to to go to some Halo events and, and compete under the Infinite Banner. Um, Which is was, absolutely I mean, that was huge. huge for us. Absolutely yeah, that's huge. huge. Uh, and, and I give Splice all the credit in the world for, for allowing that to happen, especially while they still had... They could have easily said no, you know? Like, yeah. he was still under contract. They were still... It, they could have easily just told us absolutely not uh that's our player and that's something uh, go find your own that's something a lot of organizations have a fear of is 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 reaching out to people at their level um and, and not even necessarily at their level because you said infinite and splice were working together with shotzi which you know i was a first-hand witness of that you know i watched those events but you know just like me and you we met through a mutual connection who i was already working with somebody at infinite um, with Preston and you were there and we met and you know now we're working together but that's that's how networking goes in esports you don't just go on Twitter one day and find somebody you could but they're a dime a dozen really um, because when you do find them they're beneficial as hell but when you don't find them it's detrimental as hell to your brand um, I will yeah, tell you I that. think the big thing right now right the big thing is esports is luck in my opinion um yeah. Obviously, the people that are that are getting lucky and and getting investments and making it in the industry and and starting their own successful companies, like those people are working hard. I don't want to take that away from them, uh, but I think and, I, and I've seen it. There are a lot of people working hard. So the ones that do get it, what, I, I, it's not to take anything away from them because a lot of effort goes into it. Um, but it is it is luck, right? Yeah. Uh, and at our level, I think it's important to acknowledge that, and it's important to understand that you never know who's going to get lucky, right? Like you never just do. don't know. That's so, from the top to the bottom when it comes to yeah, even an event, you know, just players or a uh, personality that you may have under your brand who may pop off or like yeah. you said with investment, it, it's all luck right now. You know, you're just playing the game and you're trying to survive it until it actually so becomes something yeah, more than that. So it's, it's important to build that network now. It's important to, to make your friends now and, and, show what you can do and what you bring to the table um to to more than just your little bubble you know yeah so one more thing i do want to touch on with organizations is how do you make your brand different but 
you know, continue to be a part of esports. And what I, what I mean by that is that how do you attract players to your brand? How do you attract streamers to your brand? Um, that's something that I would like to answer, but I think I can get a better answer from you over at Infinite because I see some of the things you guys are doing and it's, um, it's definitely something that's unique that I would say. Um, because like I said, with a lot of the, the teams at our level, we all offer the same thing, but how do you get that upper hand, that edge outside of monetary um, devices, really? Sure. Um, so at Infinite, I, I, like you said, I think there's a lot of different ways a, a brand can do this at our level. Um, at Infinite specifically, it's all about expressing the, the passion and the commitment that we have to the players, um, right? Like we don't have... We don't have a bunch of investors or crazy sponsors that we have to appease or answer to or anything like that. And and all of us were players beforehand, right? Like, yeah, I started going to tournaments and competing in like 2007. You know, uh, it's kind of showing how old I am now, but it, it's I've been where a lot of these players are now. This guy's been around I, a long time. Yeah, uh, I've been where these players are now. Um, I've played at the amateur level i've played for professional organizations um i played for professional organizations where i still wasn't getting paid um i shared hotel rooms with you know 10 plus people in a room i drove to a tournament 13 hours away having no idea where i was going to sleep but just knowing damn well that i was going to compete um so i think our biggest asset at infinite and that's why i call this a passion project i think our biggest asset at infinite is the passion that we have um, for esports, specifically Halo, but for esports in general, um, and and I think the reason that I particularly, like specifically me, have been so successful in recruiting players, um, like when, when we got like Killa and Twiz and Legal and Shotzi and or, yeah, for Call of Duty, sure, and we had it, it's because I'm able, I I personally think that it's because I'm able to express you know, my involvement, my involvement in the industry and my passion for it. And that this isn't a quick buck for me. And I do genuinely have their best interest in mind. And I want this to go as smoothly as possible for them. And, and I think we, we do a really good job of acknowledging what they're bringing to the table um, by representing us and, and what we can do to support them while they do that. And I think that's something that a lot of organizations don't do. Um, yeah. That's... I think there are a lot of like mid-tier organizations in Call of Duty and stuff that it's all it's it's all about what you can do, what the player can do for them, um, and those guys don't stick around long. Yeah, and then that's something critical that I think is something most organizations overlook, aside from the whole family and community that you get from joining an organization, which I think a lot of organizations lack on as well, because that's one of the main factors that brings people to Carolina Gaming. Um, they see they see the brand, they want to be a part of it, but when they actually talk to me and they're they're listening, they understand that Carolina Gaming is more than just you know another esports organization. It's really a community where you can come together and play with other people in the video games you know space. You know it doesn't matter what game it is. Uh, it could be a fighting game. It could be a first person shooter, a MOBA. It doesn't matter. We have people a part of our community who will play with you, talk to you. Um, even our streamers will come in, uh, watch your stream if you're not a part of our stream team. Um, it's, it's something that's vibrantly growing and it's going to continue to get better. Um, it's, of course, not at the level that I think it should be at, but it's it's something that we can offer that a lot of or other organizations don't have. And I think Discord is a powerful platform that a lot of organizations uh, should utilize moving forward. Um, it's allowed us to really convey that to our members that we want to have a community. And it's really allowed us to bring people in to our community smooth uh, and seamlessly. Um, so I think the other thing that, is important and and i think the infinite does well is i think we do a good job of reaching out to the community outside of our team yeah um like I, we've there like for, i can think of two instances right um at one there wasn't at one point another pro team who whose sponsor bailed on them um pretty close to the event uh and they were trying to get that stuff figured out and they were trying to find a sponsor and, and funding and figure out how they were gonna make everything work for themselves logistically um, and, and while we didn't have the capital to fund a whole nother team as much as we absolutely would have done that for them, we did reach out to him and say, Hey, listen, we, we see what's going on. That really sucks. Um, 
I hope you guys get it figured out. If you do not get it figured out and it relieves some of the burden, uh, you guys are more than welcome to come stay at the team Airbnb um, to relieve some of the financial pressure there. So, yeah. uh, and again, not a huge, you know, contribution to the event, but just, just an olive branch. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's, it's awesome that you can we, offer we want to those the guys. community to thrive as much as our team. So let's do what we can. Um, the other thing was uh, just yesterday, actually, um, infinite our roster was playing in the qualifier for dreamhack atlanta coming up um and they were playing against uh uh hunter's team hunter jjx um rain filthy and i feel really really bad because i can't remember the fourth right now uh winward <laughs> um sorry sorry win uh winward <laughs> um and, and you know i don't well i don't the, the only person i know personally there um is hunter jjx because my best friend teamed with him back in the day for a little while yeah so I had the chance to spend the weekend with him at the last Columbus event for MLG, um, that region event in 2012. Um, I do know uh, Filthy and Rain have been around for a while. Wainward's been around for a while, and they're a really talented group of people. Um, they did upset us in the bracket, and they moved on to top eight, which was you know, it, not what I necessarily wanted to see, but at the same time, it's exciting to see somebody like Hunter succeed and, and do well. So... I, I was watching his stream because he was the one that was streaming it. And, you know, just to reach out and say, hey, man, like, it was good games, good series. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, this is, again, this isn't a boasting thing, but I, it's 10 bucks. But I dropped two subs in his channel. You know what I mean? I gifted yeah. them to two people that were already watching because I, who knows when I'm going to do it again. Yeah. And um, I think that's, that's awesome because a lot of people will take, you know, a loss to heart. They won't support the players on the other team. They won't support esports, I should say. And it's not something personal when another team succeeds against yours. I think nine times out of ten, obviously at a professional level, you know, there's rivalries and things like that. But I think that's unique that you did that because, you know, that establishes a connection in the future with that person, you know, who may it's want just, to come play for Infinite important. or any other team that you're a part of. It's just important to recognize the effort that other people are putting in, I think. Yeah. Um, especially in the Halo community right now. Um with with the state it's in and how how three four three is kind of leaning on other tournament organizers to carry them through until infinite releases it's it's important to recognize the the guys that are still willing to compete and, and travel to these events and you know, yeah um, that's especially ones that have been around for as long as as long as hunter and are, are still competing at that level it's it's cool to see yeah and that's that's very important like you said especially to the halo um community um so we want to segue right now um right into our topics of the episode um the first thing we're going to start with is activision blizzard um and for those of you who don't know i'm going to let sterling sort of uh introduce you guys to what's going on right now and we're going to really discuss this and open this up for you all um yeah so uh, what's going on right now between like the actual issue between hong kong and china and, and all that is a very very I, I mean obviously political thing um very controversial thing um I'm. I will say that I'm of the personal opinion that the only proper stance is to stand with the people of Hong Kong um, and what they're fighting against. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on that because this is not a political podcast. If you are interested in that, uh, Richard Lewis did uh, put up a great video on his YouTube channel um, where he's talking about it. He's talking about exactly what's going on in Hong Kong and what the people are upset about. Um, and, and then he talks about the Activision Blizzard thing. Basically what happened was uh, a professional Hearthstone player and uh, I want to say a post-game interview um, was given the opportunity to make some closing statements and he said the words liberate Hong Kong or I stand with Hong Kong, something along those lines. Yep. Uh, Activision Blizzard's response, immediate response, knee-jerk response was to uh, ban him from competition for a year and take away all of his prize winnings, um, which I believe it was Richard Lewis who, who had reported that it was somewhere around $10,000. Um, so, for, you know, a hefty fine for an esports athlete trying to kind of make, make their career. Yeah. Um, the community just lost their minds, rightfully so. Um, and Blizzard backtracked a little bit. Uh, reduced his suspension to six months instead of a year and returned his prize money. Um, so one of those, I think one of those 
you know, half-hearted efforts to to appease the fans and the community, but also still try and kind of bend to China a little bit. Now they do have, I'm pretty sure they have a minority investor uh, from Tencent, which is a Chinese company um, who owns just everything under the damn sun. It seems to be every damn thing. <laughs> uh, so, you know, they are, it's a, it's, it's weird, right? Because I want to say it's a tricky thing as far as business goes, because you do have an investor who obviously has um, heavy ties to what's going on and, and it impacts them pretty considerably. Um, but you are, when it comes down to it, an American company who is hosting numerous international esports leagues. Um, your interest should be in taking care of your players and protecting their right as an American company to uh, freedom of expression. Like yeah. that should just be how it is. And I think I think it's Activision Blizzard's obligation to you know take on the responsibility of protecting their players first. And I'm not necessarily against them, you know, issuing a statement saying, hey, you know, don't don't say anything political during our events, you know, keep that to your own social media and whatnot. But to, to absolutely go out of their way, uh, suspend this player initially and fine him um, of his prize earnings for that event is insane. And, you know, you're like you said, they're an American company um, who should have American values Um and again, we're not going to try to get political here, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they should not be taking the side of one investment group um, for for their entire league. And Activision Blizzard should really take on the responsibility of protecting their players and they should take on the responsibility of making sure that that, you know, flows to every single person in that league, you know, whether it's uh, an event person, a uh, broadcaster and I think there should be repercussions for people who do break those rules, but you know, the, your initial response should not be something as harsh as that. Um, I don't think any other league would have done that. And, you know, they, they've had issues in the past where they've done things like this. And, you know, it, it also took them what a week to, to address this and, and, yeah, and, and they still have suspension. They, they even, uh, they fired the two casters that were on screen during the interview um, and have not hired them back. And I believe have said that they will not. Uh, now they're, I, I want to say, again, I want to say it was the Richard Lewis video I watched, because I think that's the only thing I really watched about this, um, where he talked about apparently there's some speculation about whether or not those casters were kind of encouraging it and telling him he should say something or or, or making sure they gave him the opportunity to. I don't know. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's crazy that they're they're very adamant that they'll, they will not work with those two casters again. I think that's it's all a little bit crazy. Yeah, and... To, to sort of spin this back into business, this is, for those of you listening who are very business-minded, this is what investors look at when they look at esports. It's it's the big things like this when they're looking at if our industry is maturing like it should be, if they want to invest. And this trickles down into your company if you have one, and this trickles down into every individual player um, outside of you know Activision Blizzard games because when an investor looks at this and they say, you know what, one of the top uh, video game publishers in the industry is not you know, upholding their responsibility. You know, they're they're out here taking initial responses to the extreme uh, with the suspensions and the uh, the fine. They're not actually being a responsible company when it comes to uh, taking responsibility for their actions. And it's it's really something that is worrisome for people who should who are involved in the industry. And it's it's worrisome for people who want to get involved. Um, now, I, I think I, your other thing too is just. It, looking at it from Activision Blizzard's point of view, right? Like you reacted so quickly and so harshly that now you're kind of hoping that other players in your other leagues don't respond to how you reacted. Yeah. Um, or, or even other esports players, especially other Chinese esports players in general, you're, you're almost other leagues are looking at it, right? Like, Oh God, I, I hope, I hope what Blizzard, Activision Blizzard just did doesn't somehow affect my league, right? Like we had we had talked very briefly about um, off off you know on our own how Riot Games sent out uh, a letter, I guess, to all the all the athletes competing at Worlds right now um, and their teams and management to, to avoid political statements on on the broadcast. And so it's obviously something they're worried about too, where it's like, wow, I hope. Activision Blizzard reacting this way didn't just motivate the Chinese athletes that I have competing to exactly turn my broadcast into some 
you know, political, political, politically charged um, protest. And so it's just, and, and we talked like absolute worst case scenario for them now. And I don't think it'll happen. I really don't. But absolute worst case scenario for them. What if a Chinese or two Chinese teams make it to finals? And then those Chinese teams refuse to play out of protest. Yeah. To support, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I don't see, I genuinely, I don't see a universe where that exists or that happens, but it's a possibility. I, yeah, it just it depends on those players and their personalities and 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 how firmly they believe in what's going on right now. Yeah, and again, I think Riot did the appropriate thing by issuing a statement first and saying, you know what, here's here's how we're going to handle this. We do not want you guys to mention anything about this, you know, in our broadcast, anything affiliated with the league or whatnot, any platform you have that's through us. Um, and there will be repercussions for doing so. I think that's appropriate. Um, obviously, Blizzard didn't have the opportunity to do that because you know they weren't aware that yeah, something like that was going to happen. But as being one of the biggest publishers, I think it's also your responsibility to act appropriately in this industry because you're setting the standard not only for publishers and and TOs, but you're setting the, stand, the standard for the entire industry realistically. You know, from people on the outside looking in. Um, and now that we're on the topic of Activision Blizzard, I think this is the perfect opportunity to segue straight into one of my favorite topics for this episode, uh, the Call of Duty League and franchising. Um, for those of you who are unaware, uh, yesterday, as of the recording of this podcast episode, uh, October 19th, the Dallas Empire revealed their branding, which is absolutely beautiful, absolutely amazing. Uh, Hastro did an amazing job with the team, um, the branding, I think. That organization right now is probably the number one in terms of, uh, I think, roster branding, just all around package. Um, but before we get into the absolute uh, diamond of the rough here, which is the organization, let's talk about the league itself and what this means for players moving forward. Um, I'll let you sort of take the take it and run with it. Um, what do you, what is your opinion on franchising for Call of Duty, and how do you think this is going to benefit the industry? Um, I think franchising for Call of Duty is a good thing. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like it, um, and I know there are valid reasons for why they don't like it. I think it's easier for me to appreciate it because I wasn't previously invested into the space. Um, other than, I mean, we had you know we had killing them for for Miami, but I, I wasn't at the level where this impacted me. Um, I think it's a, I think it brings a level of consistency to esports uh, that attracts right kind of sponsors um which which previously i just didn't didn't exist in my opinion yeah uh i but i do think it's dangerous because i think that now everybody is is you know thinking gonna think franchising is the way to go um rocket league for example which we'll talk about about that soon (laughs) um but i think in this i think activision blizzard um if let's just ignore you know the kind of the heat they're in right now uh, I think their games and their esports are actually uniquely set up for franchising. Um, I think it just works well for them. I actually think franchising, truthfully, I think franchising is is one of the biggest reasons that uh, Overwatch like still exists as an esport. Yeah. Um, and I think it could be it could have been a lot bigger had they made it happen quicker. Um, we looked at this the other day, and what they waited like two years. After the game's yeah. released to start the league, which was crazy, yeah, um, just 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 bad decisions there. Um, definitely should have should have jumped on it quicker. Um, but the the kind of consistency and stuff that that franchising has provided to Overwatch, uh, I think, is why it, it's still around at all. Um, yeah. what, and that ninety million dollar Twitch deal, um, which <laughs> a lot I, of money. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, Twitch is kicking themselves, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole um, other podcast right there. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think it'll be interesting to see what they do when that deal's up, uh, which is next season. Um, but I do, I do again, I do think that for Call of Duty uh, franchising, it suits it well. Um, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, there are some brands and people that I wish that were were still in the space that aren't because of franchising. Um, big Nate Shot fanboy. Um, <laughs> Not having hundred thieves and Nate shot there after finally getting them to invest in the area uh, was, you know, that's disappointing. Um, but I, I think I think after he sees how it goes um, and hundred thieves matures a little bit more, is there? I mean, they're still young. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll be there. So I I like franchising Call of Duty. I think it's a good thing. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think, uh, you know, I've had this conversation with a lot of other owners and players in the league, um, or in the scene, I should say. Um, the, the unique thing about Call of Duty compared to other franchise titles is that Call of Duty changes games every year. Um, that's one of the obvious things. Um, this can either be seen as a benefit or a detriment to the league, but I think it's a huge benefit, not only um, for the league itself, but for the fans of the league. And I say that not considering the fact that players obviously won't like that because a lot of players are, are good at, you know, boots on the ground versus, you know, the exoskeleton, let's hop off walls games. But yeah, hoping they don't go back to those games, you know, boots on the ground players are going to love this season of Call of Duty. And I think it's set up to where, you know, the consumers of the league, the people watching, the people who are going to be buying merch, you know, going to the events, um, they're going to really enjoy it because it's, it's a new game every year. It's, you know, big time personalities playing at the absolute best level with the highest production quality possible and they're playing for something new you know they're not playing for four events and champs they're playing for an entire season with a new prize pool on the line um bigger bigger dollar amounts um and they're, they're also playing for something that i like to call a region um i don't really like the whole city thing i think it's a bit outdated for sports in sure. general but they're, no, they're playing for the entire that. region now so, you know, Dallas has Texas. And this is something we haven't seen before outside of Overwatch. Um, you know, there's franchising for other leagues, but city-based franchising can work in this particular model where a game changes every year, I think. And the reason I say that compared to Overwatch is I think Overwatch has a little bit of staleness right now along with its uh, game and its viewership, not not to mention that you're going to release yeah, another game. That'll happen when you wait two years until you, you yeah. launch the league. Sure. <laughs> but... Um, I think Call of Duty has the unique opportunity right now with this this game that's going to save, I think, the franchise entirely um, to really set the standard for what it means to be a city-based franchise league. And it's something that I hope um, we can be a part of in the future. Um, so now yeah, let's I think, talk. I mean, I think the it, just to touch on, I think yeah. I, I'm a marketing guy, right? Like I'm a, I'm a content guy. I'm, I'm a marketing and branding. And I, that's I, where I think I personally thrive at. Um, actually checked my phones and my computers for bugs and trackers to to try and link them back to hastro and envy <laughs> um, as i've seen them produce ideas that i talked about like just three months before but anyways that's another 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 conspiracy theory time um theory 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 <laughs> yeah but i think that you know it's having that new game every year i think is an incredible thing for this franchise um just because it one we already know how much Call of Duty makes for Activision Blizzard, so producing a new title every year by no means hurts them. Mm -mm. Um, and then I think it provides so many different marketing and, and brand activation opportunities for the franchises. Um, you, you need multiplayer reveals and, and just, just, just so many different opportunities and things that they haven't... I don't think uh, Activision Blizzard has necessarily looked towards the competitive scene for in the past like the for for a lot of the modern warfare reveal stuff they had like you know just content creators and streamers out to do it um whereas i think this franchise league combined combined with that will um kind of finally mix the competitive scene into that process and i think it's i think it's gonna be cool to watch yeah um uh, just to, to touch on this a little bit more um while I do think the league will be successful at the professional level, I am very curious to see how the challenger level is going to turn out because I have watched a lot of videos, seen a lot of tweets, done a lot of research into contenders for Overwatch, and a lot of orgs who are supporting the players there will tell you that they're not interested in being, you know, the minor league, you know, you know, scouting ground essentially for these players. And, you know, while there may be benefits uh, of competing at those levels, the viewership, the prize pools and everything that's involved at the end of the day, isn't a hundred percent beneficial to every org involved. It may be beneficial to the top org at the contenders level, but it's not necessarily something that every org involved stays in every year and makes profit. So I'm really curious to see the structure for challengers. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how this is going to be org friendly and benefit the orgs um, at our level, because that's where we would be competing at. I don't, I was talking about this um, with Preston from infinite. I don't think that, that they're going to do anything to benefit the orgs. Um, and I don't think they necessarily should. Um, 
and and that's weird to say coming from the owner of an org uh yeah. but and the reason i say that is because one from from what i understand and i haven't read all of it i know they released some stuff on on how the path to pro scene is going to work um from what i understand that there are going to be some of these events where they cover some like flight and uh lodging and stuff for the, some of the teams yeah i think it's gonna be uh, for those the, qualifiers the, online to, yeah, to land so they're already setting it up putting us in a position where players are probably going to be demanding salary because we're not going to have to pay for stuff like that yeah um which isn't I almost prefer that if I'm going to be totally honest, uh, just because of the consistency, the consistency that comes with it. Um, event costs change every event just from location and hotels and mm-hmm. just flights. And it just, you never know what you're going to end up spending as an organization. Yeah. Where um, actually the salary is just much more you know consistent. Um, if I can set a budget for the organization of we'll, we're willing to spend X amount of dollars every month on salary, what kind of team can we, let's go see what kind of team we can get for it. Yeah. Um. I, that idea is actually much more appealing to me, um, than than potentially paying a few hundred dollars in salary, and then also trying to figure out how much I'm gonna have to spend every month, every couple months on on this event. Um, especially if you end up with a player from like California or something, or some of the it's uh, you know, some of the flights are just insane. A big mess. <laughs> yeah. Um. Especially and, and my the other thing is. And I've thought more about this, right? Because they said in the beginning, like, oh, we want to expand this to 28 teams. And there's this application process for the franchise. And they vet everything. And, and they talk to you. And I'm actually curious to see if any organizations, and I may be letting, kind of showing my hand a little bit here. I'm, I'm curious to see if any organizations with an interest in being in the franchise league take advantage of this pro path to pro thing. Um, as a showing Activision Blizzard what they can do as an organization type deal, yeah. Um, just just really going all in on it and and saying, look at the kind of team I can build, look at the kind of infrastructure I can build. This, these are the things I can provide to my players already. Um, and and that being a big benefit come application time to to secure a franchise spot yeah it's 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 more so like hey we're doing this over here you know favor us for this city because we've already proved right. to you at this level we can take care of our players pay them on time you know make sure they're uh, arriving to events they're well fed taken care of during events they're not causing trouble you know you know pick us yeah i, I like right. that i like that approach um, to it yeah i'm curious to see how many organizations kind of catch on to that or, or, or take it that way i think a few um, will um i i keep my eye closely on Twitter it's, and I can see some interest there. Yeah. It's something, it's something that, you know, um, I think we're going to talk about in the future with, with Carolina gaming and, uh, potentially infinite. I don't know, but I, like I said, I know we're, we're really vested in halo and big, stuff over big, there. Big secrets in the work. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's, it, it warrants a further conversation. Um, I think there, I think there are long-term benefits for organizations in this path, to pro thing. Um, if you play your cards right and, and you have the right kind of goals in mind. Yeah. Um, so now that we've sort of touched on the path to pro, uh, the franchising, let's uh, let's delve into the the organizations and their brands just a little just a little bit. Um, I kind of want to kick things off here with. And I already talked talked about Dallas. I want to talk about some of the other uh, organizations involved. Um, I, I do want to start off with New York. Not to to Terrible. brand bash, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, nah, we're we're gonna to brand, brand bash. Bashing. Just yeah, it's real bad, man. It's 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 the colors perfect, the logo terrible, the name terrible. Um, I do like what they're doing to kick off the season. They're doing the ten thousand dollar tournament for the players. I love that idea. Everything else terrible. Um, the roster moderate, not terrible, but I I think for new york being the market it is deserves better and i know you you talked about it with the trademarks and how hard it would be for them to actually get something that's worth representing but subliners come on especially that logo come on come on yeah i have i have so many problems with it um one actually i'm not a fan of the color combination um i I don't i don't like it uh, I, I guess I don't like that they felt so obligated to take the colors of the parent company being and box and turn them into the colors of the team yeah, that was a little bit of a generic um, move by them I agree with yeah that. man like you know why 
I don't know. Um, I think you should have taken to heart the fact that it's supposed to be its own entity um, and and done a lot more. I don't like the logo. I, th- I think it's absolutely awful. Uh, I think it's hilarious how it got revealed. I don't know if it was intentional or not, um, but that poor graphics artist working on <laughs> Spencer's branding on stream. Feels bad, um, man. God, I'm sure he's going to get an earful. Uh, I'm sure a little bit of it's going to blow back onto Spencer. I can't believe they made that kind of kind of slip up. Yeah. Um. The name. It, here's my thing about the name. The name is actually the part of the branding that I like the most. Now, that's not to say that I love it because I I don't. Um. <laughs> but I do recognize how hard it is to get find something in New York that that really stands out because of how many things are trademarked and copyrighted and yeah. Just it's it's kind of insane. Um. Now that's not to say that they shouldn't have just you know sucked it up and gone and bought one of these trademarks or copyrights from somebody um which they very well could have yeah just bit the bullet on that one because maybe they should have um but i like names like i said with this region-based stuff i like names that have are directly correlated to the region um i don't think they necessarily always have to be um but i do like it that way and while i don't think subliner is an actual word I could be wrong. It could be some word that's used in New York. We just created it. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not from there, um, but I don't. I don't believe that it's an actual word. But I do appreciate the effort of uh, trying to correlate it to the to the sub a the, for the effort and stuff in New York. You know, a for effort on the name. D for like execution. C C minus for execution. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. I, I gotta go um, with the D man. <laughs> I can't even I'm give just, him a C on that. Man, one. I'm trying to cut him a little bit of slack because I jumped to bash him so quick. Because I, again, I think the colors are terrible. I think the logo is atrocious. Um, and I think the one, it, God, is is well, the one bronze lining is is, is the name. Um, not even going to call it silver. Here, here's my thing: when you have New York doing that, and then on the total opposite coast you have another organization doing something that's also disgusting in my opinion i i don't like the yeah yeah, the la gorillas i don't like the name i don't like the logo the branding and i don't even like the colors I, i i don't know what it is about it you know maybe there's people out there who like it i've seen a lot of tweets that sort of had the same opinion as me and it's not so much like you said to bash the these companies because you know at the end of the day it's, it's their decision and that's their problem if it's good or not. But, you know, when you're a part of a, how, how much is it? A $300 million plus league, which you total up all the franchise yeah, after, fees. After the franchise fees. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like when you're part of this, this type of league, this echelon, you're at the top tier, you know, you have to be creative. You have to do better. Um, and, and this just ties back into the whole Dallas thing. The branding. Perfect. This is how, you know, Hastro knows what he's doing. The branding. Perfect. The reveals. Perfect. Uh, not so much the branding reveal. I think they could have done better. But, you know, the player reveal is perfect. The content is there. The ideas are there. The branding's there. The colors are there. Um, even teams like Minnesota who don't have, like, a ton of experience, I would say, when you compare it to, like, Dallas, um, they, they, they get the idea. But then yeah, you, have, I think, you have the Gorillas the out here doing this. Was, well, number one, I think the Gorillas are – I just – I hate everything about that. I'm going to be totally honest. Um well, not everything, I guess, because I'm a big fan of the color purple, like just personally. The movie or uh, the color? The, the color. <laughs> um, so I think, uh, yeah, I I don't mind a franchise. I, I would actually enjoy a franchise using that as their primary. Um, I think they did it. Su- I think they did everything incredibly poorly. Um, I I hate I hate the name. I, I genuinely, I hate the name. Um, I think. Like again, for being a marketing guy, I think that it there are a lot of really bad ways you could take that marketing um, with connotations that can come with or be associated with the word gorillas um, and yeah. the way that they're using it. Uh, so I like personally as a marketing guy, I wouldn't want to touch that brand. I wouldn't want to work with it because uh, I would feel that the ways that I could take it safely are very limited um, oh, without just. Yeah, causing some kind of not to mention they're part of Call of Duty. Of, oh yeah, causing some kind of wave of people being offended. I so I, I personally I wouldn't even want to touch it. Um, I think the logo 
and and the reveal and the name and the font i think it all just lacks any kind of effort uh like it to, that's something you i compare that out to the subliners right and at least the subliners like made an effort you know yeah. like i while i think they missed the mark on everything they at least tried and i can kind of tell that by looking at it uh the gorillas did not i they just i don't i don't i don't think they did and yeah if I'm upsetting, if, if by some means, if some for some reason the person who came up with that branding listens to this and they're really offended by that, I apologize. If that was genuinely your best effort, then I think you're in the wrong field, uh, and they chose the wrong person for the job because it's really it's just it's bad. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's really bad. I think at that level, it's just unacceptable. Um, and now you know if you're throwing this together for a, a little league, uh, you know Call of Duty tier three league for you know the amateurs it's no big deal because yeah, that, that's not, an amateur that's an amateur yeah. sports organization logo that pops up and is around for three months exactly and exactly that, and um, i think it, that's it, kind it, of it, our who knows, point man, maybe that's what happens to that <laughs> franchise i don't know i would hate um, to see that um yeah but uh, as far as dallas's goes i the branding is amazing i think so i think as with what we know so far and the rumors i think they've hands down set the bar um for, for for the branding, I, think I don't think anybody's going to cross that bar either. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's going to be so hard. Um, I actually, I think it's even even with like the 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 history behind it. I think I'm going to upset. Well, I don't know if I will upset that many people anymore. Um, I think it's better than optics, um, and I think it's better than phases as far as like how this franchise league. I think it's so good. Yeah, I um, I. I want to talk about that just for just briefly. I understand why optic and phase did what they did, but. I can't, for whatever reason, fathom the idea of them going all in, like for the brand of Optic explicitly for Call of Duty, like, like LA Optic. I guess it makes sense, but and and again, this is just one I of those things. I think it makes sense just because of the situation. Yeah, right? but like, like Phase is is very it's curious to me. Um, I, I guess just to keep the Phase Optic rivalry going for a very long time. Um, now the Phase thing, and I'm and I'm not going to say this is a, a confirmed thing. Um. But from what I heard on another esports podcast that I really like to listen to, uh, is is that the only reason that they're allowed to use it is because they're and he may have been just totally trolling. I don't know, man. Um, but the only reason that they're allowed to use it is because Phase Clan is the organization's name and it has the capital Z. But they're using a lowercase z with this, and the word clan is not included. Wow. Um, so it counts as a separate brand. I don't, you know what I mean? That's, like, I'm curious. You know, really bending rules there. I'm curious to know whether or not that is the. the so, Carolina Gaming, there, if but... we just, you know, changed a couple of letterings, we could use that <laughs> if we got into <laughs> we any franchise league. We made a couple things capital, like the old school. Take, take the tags. G off of gaming and just game in. Carolina <laughs> <Yeah>. Gaming. <laughs> um,. um my other thing with the Dallas branding, though, and and I'm splitting hairs here, but I really think that how they did the reveal was like uh, so incredibly lackluster. Um, the videos were okay until the Crim Six one. The Crim Six video actually like got me super hype um, with the the storyline that they're building there because yeah. I think that's what's gonna make this franchise league survive is going to be the kind of stories that marketing i personally love shotsies the most just not not to even really say that yeah, as i mean a biased no, yeah person. big shout out to ant you know what i mean yeah. um and in, in our experiences with him he's a great kid he's an incredibly talented player in anything he decides to do um i have no doubt that he is going to be successful in this league um i don't think they did i personally don't think they did him justice in his video um and and that's a little bit of bias you know what i mean but yeah. i think i think he deserved a little bit more effort i think so did illy um and i think so did hook huke sorry um clasters was good uh i liked it the order was clearly thought out um and how they were going to introduce in what order they were going to introduce everybody uh but what i really didn't like was i did not like how they did this huge twitch reveal for the branding and then they showed me the same videos that i would already seen plus like what two minutes of of something i hadn't seen i don't even think it was um, that i think it was literally like 45 seconds of hastro talking and yeah they basically made one of those videos for hastro yeah it, it was like 45 seconds of hastro talking and 
this is our empire, and boom, yeah, brand it's 40, done. It's 45 seconds of Astro saying he's the shit, and yeah. then here's the branding. Cut, cut in the video. That's, that's how long it was, <laughs> yeah. 45 seconds. So I think they missed the mark there. I was hoping for a lot more, maybe getting like the team together as a group. And, and doing something similar to the, the individual videos. but Maybe they'll do like a live stream or something in the future. I, I, hope, I hope so. I think your branding is so good. And yeah. to do it that way, just not doing it You, you set the bar. You've got to actually uphold the yeah. bar now. Like you've got to hold it up there. Um, yeah. So this, this, this is a perfect time, since we're already on the idea and topic of franchising, for us to talk about the potential Rocket League franchising and the esports bubble. I want to kind of merge this into one topic. And the reason I say that is because there are certain games that I believe thrive in a open model and Rocket League is one of them. And there are certain games that I think thrive in a franchise model. And I absolutely think Call of Duty will thrive in this model. Now, I think some games like League of Legends thrive. They're just, it's it's harder to, to justify it for other games that are going to try to do it in the future. Uh, I even think Overwatch is one of those games. But Rocket League is explicitly one that I think thrives in an open model because of its its range of players, the age of players, the actual game itself, how it's structured, the viewership. Everything is pointing towards the open model working. And maybe they're just tired of being, I guess the word is stagnant. Um, I, I've seen a lot of people talk about how RLCS Season 3, 4 was the golden days of, of Rocket League. And now it's, you know, just Rocket League. So... I kind of want to. I kind of want to talk about Rocket League and esports bubble. And one, what, what, what is your opinion on what this esports bubble could be for Rocket League going to uh, franchising? Uh, is this, this something is, that could pop? I, I think this is a last ditch effort for Rocket League to save its esport. Um, from, from my understanding, and I don't, I'm not super invested into Rocket League. I don't watch it that often, so I need to like kind of preface this with that. So just in case a Rocket League fan listens to this, and I'm even slightly wrong and they just lose their mind um i'm acknowledging now <laughs> that i could have this wrong uh it would it would take some more attention on my part um but from what i understand the collegiate rocket league scene is actually fairly popular when compared to other collegiate esports um which i have some experience in um i kind of didn't even talk about that uh but which i have some experience on that level we'll touch on um, that in another episode we got you yeah uh, I have some experience on that level, and when compared to other collegiate esports, uh, it's it's fairly popular. Um, but when you can look at in just the world of esports, like comparing the RLCS to the LCS or um, the CDL now or the OWL, it's just not it's just not there. You know, um, I think this is a last ditch effort to to save the esport, kind of like Smite did mm-hmm. um, when when they didn't. I don't. I don't think Smite full on franchise, but they did do this thing where they kind of like vetted the organizations that would be involved and required a minimum salary and and all these things that were really good for the players. I think um, mostly because they had some trouble with other organizations in the past, um, and that was finally just high res stepping in. Like, all right, you guys are you're ruining what we're doing here. Yeah. Um. So I think this is our RLCS's kind of last ditch effort to save what they're doing. Uh, and and to kind of give it that barrier of exclusivity almost, and and maybe build some interest, but I just don't, see, I just do not see it working. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't. It, it, I guess it really depends on what the entrance fee is going to be, right? Like, what's hmm. a franchise going to cost? Um, but if it's more than, bah, dude, I don't. Hmm. Let's see. That's the thing too, and, and and I don't mean to cut you off, but you know, most franchises have this restrictive model where. There are organizations, like you said, that that are playing fair. They're playing the right way. That are going to be left out, and they're not going to want to mess with Rocket yeah. League yeah. and and help these players get to that next level. Because you know, like you said, organizations that do things right, you know, it, it's it's beneficial to the leagues. But when you cut sure. that off, and there's only 14, 16, yeah. whatever amount of teams at the top, organizations like you and I aren't going to pay. Rocket League player salary no, I, for I, yeah, I have I have no interest in paying Rocket League player salary as it stands, let alone yeah. once franchising pops in. And um, it's and just it's, not something I, I could justify. It's not, and I think it's super disappointing for um, organizations that do love Rocket League, uh, CLT Esports for existence, the other Charlotte Esports organization. I, yeah, I think you know what I mean. From what I've seen, and and 
I haven't, I'm not there yet, you know, and then hopefully yeah. in the next few months I'll be in the Charlotte area. But um, from what I've seen and the interactions I've seen, those are good guys. Um, and they were really excited about getting into Rocket League and, and being a part of it. And I think it's super disappointing that right after they make that move that this kind of starts getting talked about. And I hope it doesn't prohibit their ability to, to stay involved in the future if they want to be. Right. And who knows? Maybe they knew. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm off on this and they knew it was coming. Um, and that's why they got involved and they plan on, on being one of those franchises if it happens. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but if it works the other way for them, I think that's incredibly disappointing because from what I can tell, they like that game. They like that eSport. They were excited about that team. Um, and and I think it, they would have been a long-term partner for the RLCS if given the opportunity. And, and I hope they can somehow still can be. Yeah. Um, and just sort of a, a last thought on, on this topic. Um, you, you, you pretty much hit it nail on the head when you said, you know, organizations that love this game, um, they will support whatever happens. Um, but I, I'd hate to see those wells run dry in places where, you know, good guys get burned on a franchise league model for a game that I don't think could really support it in the way that they believe it will. And that's not to say that it couldn't work at whatever price point they think is fair. And maybe it's only a couple hundred thousand dollars versus, you know, the million dollar leagues that are out there. Um, but again, nobody's interested in paying players $1,000 salaries just for them to basically, at the end of the season, either move up into the draft pool or whatever it is uh, that they're going to work with or, yeah. you know, come back and you pay them $1,000 for minimal viewers, uh, very little brand deals. So that's just that's just, yeah, my, my, just my opinion on that. It's one of those things, man, where the way that that esports specifically is trending it's like it's going to be have to be one of those investments for larger organizations or any organization um or they're just comfortable losing money yeah at that level because you're not going to make any off of it and i don't see a future anytime soon where they will um but you're willing to lose the money on it in order to gain the attention of the fans mm-hmm. um it's kind of uh, it's good explanation is um I have an uncle in the movie industry right it's for the longest time growing up it's what I wanted to do was was uh, be a director uh, studio production companies actually slate movies and release movies all year um, that they know they are not going to make money off of uh, they are projected to lose money from the get go um, so you know when 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 everybody talks about all these box office flops and uh, like what's this studio thinking there like they knew you know yeah. like they they plan on it but they do it um sometimes to fulfill contracts uh with actors um a lot of times though it's to kind of keep the name of the production company relevant yeah um and active in order to fill out their release calendars if you will um and, and their quarterly uh involvement in the industry so it, it's it it's almost like the esports version of that um i think the only organizations that will be involved in the future are ones that are comfortable losing money on it that they know will lose money on it, but they want to attract the attention of that fan base as small as it may be these days. Yeah, they just want to be a part of that that particular esport. And right. there's nothing wrong they, with that. They love it or they love the fans or yeah. they want to support the community, all of which are great things. There's um, absolutely, absolutely future, nothing wrong with that. Future of Rocket League, I think. Um, so that's pretty much... Uh, gonna wrap up our first episode um if you have any closing thoughts or ideas you want to talk about sterling now's the time um i think i'm pretty much uh all talked out on my ideas and 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 conversation for today but uh, i'm I'm gonna leave the floor to you if you have anything you want to say um yeah i mean i just closing because we didn't talk about it i want to give a shout out to uh the minnesota franchise ignore what the haters are saying the call of duty franchise specifically um i like your name uh the rocker i dig it uh, I looked up what it means um, in relation to uh, the Vikings and their Norse gods and uh, the ownership group also owning the Vikings from the NFL. I love it. I love the correlation. Um, I can't, nice see, we, can't wait. Yep, can't wait to see what they do uh, with the actual branding. Um, so far, I really dig it. Uh, shouts out to Seattle, which is the team that I have already proclaimed, proclaimed my allegiance to. Please do not disappoint me. Um <laughs> With your branding, I can't figure out what surge has anything to do with the area other than it starts with S. Um, so I'm hoping you come up real big there. Maybe please, a lightning please, please. bolt. Maybe I don't know. Something. Give me. You got to give me something here, man. Um, but big shout out 
to those two organizations, I think Minnesota is getting an unnecessary amount of hate for their branding because people don't know what the hell the word means. <laughs> um, and I'm just hoping Seattle pulls through for me on theirs. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on the Minnesota thing. Uh, so so much unnecessary hate. Um, but yeah, that's going to pretty much wrap up our episode today, guys. Uh, we, we appreciate you uh, if you listen this far. Um, we thank you for, for coming out and listening to this uh, this iteration of My Take Esports. Uh, this is our very first episode. Um, we're going to be recording bi-weekly and releasing episodes bi-weekly. So we hope you stick around, uh, tune in frequently, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.